Well, welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm glad you guys are here. I hope that the new year is starting off good for you, kind of getting back in your exercise routines and uh, starting from a clean slate. It's what I love about the new year. Today, I am going to air part two of my interview with my friend, Bill Jack, the founder of Worldview Academy. And we're going to talk about why he believes as Christians, we need to take it to the max. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. If the Bible claims to provide the answers to man's internal problems of brokenness, why do we not study the answers it offers to man's brokenness? So for the, for the science teacher, why don't you teach both models of origins? Let us test them scientifically and let us students decide which one makes better sense. Or this. If Jesus, poking the bear. Yeah, if Jesus is a central figure in history <laughs> whose life dates every event in the textbook that we study, then why do we not study the life of Jesus Christ in our history class, teach? What's the number one book that, that college and university uh, English professors say students should read before they enter college? What is the number one best-selling book in all of history? What book has been translated into more languages than any other book? What is the first book read in outer space? What book was quoted by presidents by by presidents in speeches more than any other book? Well, the answer, of course, to all those five questions is the Bible. It's the Bible. And so here's the question. So teach, why don't we study the Bible in English class? Now, I, I am sticking my finger in the in the bear of the eye. I mean, the eye of the bear. I, I, I want to. <laughs> I just put my foot back in my mouth. I'd rather than on the pavement, didn't I? But what we need to do is we need to take it to the local schools. I can't dismantle the Department of Education. It needs to be dismantled. Okay, We need to do away with it, return jurisdiction to parents. But what I can do is encourage parents to attack, and I mean that, attack the evil at the local level. And that means attack yeah. the secular schools and how they are killing, yes, killing our students. They are killing kids yeah. because they do not start with the fear of the Lord as the basis for every subject in that building. And if they're not doing that, they're killing kids. So if people want more information, they can contact us about how they can, they can address these issues at their local level. And I'm open to other ideas. There are people all over the country who are frustrated, who are wringing their hands in desperation, but there are also people who have ideas. Oh, we can do this to address this problem. This is just one small piece that, that can be addressed by taking this and going out to the local high school and passing this out once every two weeks and put your name on it. Put the church's name on it. Okay, so youth pastors, youth pastors. What's a youth pastor? Oh, oh, it's a person who goes out and, and he wants to teach youths, right? He wants to teach those youths. Where do you find youth? Hmm. You find them at the mall? You find them at the Dairy Queen? Where do you find youth? Where do they hang out? They hang out where? In school. If you and I wanted to reach the culture with the gospel, how can we do it? Well, let me ask, let me ask our, our, our viewers this. Have they ever been really, really, really bored? Other than right now, okay? 
so bored that if I gave them the task of counting the grains of sand in an hourglass, they would eagerly leap to that task. Well, very few people. But if I gave you that task of counting the grains of sand in an hourglass, where would you begin? At the top? At the bottom? You would begin at the bottleneck through which nearly Mm -hmm. every grain of sand passes individually. Where is the bottleneck in our communities through which nearly every person passes? It's the schoolhouse doors. Why are youth pastors not in the schools? Because they've been trained to think secularly. They've been trained to compartmentalize their faith. And they don't attack the enemy where he is strongest in the secular schools. And they say, well, we can't get into the schools. I can get you into the school like that. If you're having trouble getting, as a youth pastor, getting into the schools to meet students, I'll solve that problem right now. Have the parents in your youth group write a letter to the administration saying that Bill is the youth pastor, is, is your child's counselor that the youth pastor is the child's counselor, and any time that their student is not involved in class, that they want the youth pastor, the counselor, made available to their student. That gets the youth pastor on campus. Why? Because administrators will fight youth pastors. They won't fight parents as readily. And when the youth pastor's on the campus, talking to Johnny, or Susie Q, they bring their friends. And pretty soon the youth pastor is reaching the culture. We don't have mm-hmm. the courage of a Nehemiah. We don't have the strategy thinking of a Nehemiah. And we need to get that. We need to clean up our own house, gather people around who are like-minded, plan a strategy, and go give them heaven. That's what we need to do. And we can do it. I am not discouraged by my failure to make it through the primary. I'm not discouraged by your failure to make it through the primary because God's got you exactly where he needs you and where he wants you. And that experience has taught you a lot. And you are much more Mm -hmm. effective in where he has you than if you had not done that. As painful and as tedious and as draining as that was for you, because I know for me it was, but it was 10 times, 20 times, 100 times more for you. But I can tell you right now that God's going to use that to multiply your efforts. And parents need to wake up, stop whining, and get to work. Mm. And they do that by reclaiming jurisdiction over their child's education. The church needs to wake up, begin to stop this we don't want to sound political. We don't, we, want to, we don't want to get too political. Well, you just did. By saying you don't want to get political, you just told me that you are afraid that if you make statements against abortion or against the secular education of the day, that you're going to lose people in your pew. Therefore, you're going to lose money in, in the plate. So who's being political? Mm. I'm just talking about what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. I'm saying do what Nehemiah did. Mm-hmm. And the church who says, I don't want to get involved in politics. That church is the most political of all because they care about 
the money in the plate and the butts in the pews. That's the problem. So find a church that's a Bible-believing church that will support your family, that will back your family, and that will press forward into the culture. Go find the public park across from the high school. Go find that place on the wall where you can stand, where you can not just stand, but where you will claim. And, and don't be intimidated. Several years ago, I was, I was uh, asked to speak at a homeschool convention in, in Oklahoma City. And it was, it was an early morning commuter flight. And I was just, of course, I, I waited until late in the evening the night before to pack, of course. So I was just wiped. And I really, just another thing that you and I have in common. <laughs> yes. And I love sleeping on airplanes, okay? I love sleeping on airplanes. So I got on this airplane and I thought, okay, I got an hour and 15 minute short flight. I can take a nap. But immediately what happened right across the aisle, it, it was it, there were two passengers. One was a, an older businessman and one was a 29-year-old seatmate who who's was very vocal and his voice carried throughout the entire plane. It was a small plane. I'll give you some give you some of the statements I overheard. I'm going to Oklahoma to testify in a very high profile case. I'm an expert witness on cannabis. I, I really have smoked more weed in a month than most people do in a lifetime. I, I've lectured all over the world on this. I'm really highly intelligent, even though I'm severely dyslexic. My girlfriend really, really wants to marry me, but I'm not into the monogamy thing. Oh, I'm Jewish. The owner of Adam and Eve Adult Entertainment, read that porn shops, is paying me to testify in these cases around the United States. Now, I really, really wanted off that small commuter jet as soon as it landed. I was increasingly irritated at the conversation not just because of the 29-year-old, but because of the grandfatherly businessman seated next to him who never challenged or voiced concern about the younger man's blatant sins, the, the, the breaches of the Ten Commandments. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As the plane landed, I popped up out of my seat, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to book, okay? And God nudged me, okay? Well, he kind of smacked me up the side of the head is what he did. And he said, Bill, ask him. Go on, ask him. I argued, Lord, I, I really need to get off this plane. I, re I really, really need a nap. <laughs> Yet, as I glanced down at the young man who was in his window seat, our eyes locked. And I had to ask. I said, I couldn't help but overhear the conversation. And, and I know you're Jewish, so do you fear God? Ooh. He paused deliberately, stared directly into my eyes and said, no, 
Why do you ask? I answered, well, your holy book says that in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. I said, also, do you think that porn should be regulated? He, he answered, he said, well, it shouldn't be available to kids. I asked, well, if you don't fear God, then why should it be kept from kids? He scoffed. I deplaned, and I made my way down to the bag claim. As I'm waiting for my bag to come around, guess who shows up at my elbow? Yeah, the 29-year-old passenger. And he said, I'm glad you fear God. I hope that comforts you. Now, my question had gotten under his skin, obviously. I continued the conversation a little bit, gave him my card, invited him for coffee when we got back to Denver. He never took me up on it. But you know what his name was? Max. Christians need to take it to the max. We need to take it to the maxes of this world and we need to, first of all, humble ourselves before God, not let our pride get in the way and say, you know, I really need a nap. I want off this plane, sitting in judgment of the conversation, but not engaging in the conversation. That's my point. Christians should take it to the max. And there are all kinds of maxes in the world out there who are lost as a goat in a snowstorm. And we, we, we tend to make the gospel weaker than, than, than circus lemonade. And we hand it out. We have the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And yet, like me, I, I was cowering in that plane in fear of what he might think of me if I asked that question. And I, I would have missed an opportunity to plant a seed. I would have missed an opportunity because I had other passengers come up to me, or as we were getting off the plane, I had another passenger say to me, thanks for asking that. Oh, wow. But So other people heard but you. Other people heard me because I was as loud as this 29-year-old. It was a very small plane. It's one of those planes where you have to duck, you know, to, to oh, get I off know. the plane. Oh, I know, the commuter flights, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. So we, we need to take it to the max, to the culture. And we can. We stop, stop living in fear and walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Fear, as much as I, I dislike, you know, FDR, he was right. We, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. We have a mighty God. Let's not look to government. Let's not look to our own power. Let's rely on him and his prodding and his leading and then go out and find the place on the wall, stand, claim it, and build. Carry bricks in one hand and your sword in the other. Build where you can and battle where you must. We, we can do this. We can do it. You are always so, you're so encouraging because you, you don't, you don't give up, you know, and I think it's, this is, I, I keep saying this as one of my 
absolute takeaways from my run for the U.S. House of Representatives is that courage is is required in the culture right now. Christians have got to have courage. We've got to lean into the Lord to not just believe what he says, to but believe it to the point where we're willing to put our uh, faith uh, and give feet to our faith and actually get out there and uh, and take it to the max, as you say. I love that. You guys are teaching kids to do this. Tell everyone about Worldview Academy because you guys have some awesome programs that are going to be available coming up this this summer. And my kids have done Worldview Academy. My nephew, of course, did the bridge year at Worldview at the Abbey. But tell uh, listeners a little bit about the ministry of Worldview. Worldview is uh, a ministry designed to train Christians to think and then live in accord with a biblical worldview. And we mainly do that with students, 13 to 18, in camps, week-long camps across the country, all over in different locations around the country. We train them in worldviews, evangelism and apologetics, how to share and defend their faith, and then also in servant leadership skills. One of the things that makes us unique, because it's an academic program, they're in class 29 hours out of the week. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not a come get your unsaved friend saved camp. There are camps for that. And it does happen. We have students who show up thinking they own their faith and they realize that they don't. But by the end of the week, they do own their faith. One of the things that makes us unique is that every Wednesday we take them out and have them engage the culture in conversation on a college campus or a downtown area. Many of these students have not done that. And so it transforms camp. They're getting a lot of truth between Sunday and Wednesday morning through lectures. But that 45 minutes out on the campus transforms camp because they come back and they go, I need this. Or they've seen the power of the gospel transform lives and they go, I want more of this. That's why we say it's truth and grace, truth and grace. That's when grace kicks in. And then for those who want to get grounded in their faith before they hit college or their career path, we have a bridge year program in Canyon City. Two semesters, they can earn up to 30 hours of transferable credit. Basically, they're freshman humanities, and they can get it from a biblical worldview. So we have we have parallel organizations. It's worldview.org for the camps and worldviewbridgeyear.com where they can get trained. And if people are interested in taking those tools that I mentioned, the five questions that your science teacher doesn't want you to ask and begin to use those, we are making those available at worldviewbridgeyear.com. I would love to to see people do that. I also have a, a, a challenge that people can download. It's a two-minute challenge, and it's called Now You... No. So it's now capital U, no. And they can find that on Vimeo or at the worldviewbridgeyear.com. And it's a, they can download four free samples of that just by typing in your name, Heidi. I love that. In the promo. Yeah. And type in your first name and they'll get four samples and they can decide if they want to want to continue to get more of those later on. But those are some of the tools that we have. We have teaching materials available both at worldview.org and worldviewbridgeyear.com. You've got a nine-week study guide, right, for parents and students that go along with... Yes, I, I, thank you. Yeah, we, one of, because of what we have been doing, you and I have been doing in the political arena, I did a nine-week uh, study guide on faith and duty. 
and where I outline jurisdiction and I talk about what is the role of government and how are we as Christians to respond when evil seems to be winning and how are we to to engage with the culture. It is very it's very accessible. It's hands on. Students and adults can use this. We use it individually or in small group settings. We have a series of these nine week study guides, but one I'm really excited about talking about with you is, is the faith and duty nine week study guide. And along with that is the Yes, I Can DVD, which outlines what is government and what is a Christian's response? What does the Bible say about government and how are we as Christians to respond when evil seems to be winning? And it goes, goes through the scriptures of in the New Testament, what happened with Paul and what happened with Peter and John. I love it. And the people can find that again. It's Worldview. They can find that at worldview.org or worldviewbridgeyear.com. Or if they just want to contact me, they can contact me at billjack4987 at gmail. Bill, Jack, my friend, you are such a gift, and I am so happy to see you. I really am. It's been a 2022 was a challenging year for a lot of reasons. And, uh, I'm excited to see what God's going to do in 2023. I so appreciate your optimism and your encouragement because you're one of the first shows now that will air in 2023. So uh, we're getting everybody off on the right foot. Well, I hope you still have <laughs> hope you still have a podcast after that airs. You know? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried. Yeah. I'm not worried. Hey, I'm, my I'm preaching. I'm preaching to myself. I really am. Yeah. I. I uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I don't get discouraged. Yep. I'm not going to tell you that I don't weep. Yep. But we're not called to sit and wring our hands. That's right. We're called to go and make disciples. That's right. And as you like to say, get off the bench. That's right. Thank you so much. Bill Jack, thank you for coming on the show. I love you much, and I'll have you back on soon. And I'm going to get you out to Washington State if it's the last thing I do. So look out. We're working hey, on it. Well, let's not make it the last thing you do. <laughs> okay, I don't want to be the cause of your demise, but <laughs> my job is not to get you killed. My job is to get you to die to yourself, okay. but not get you killed. All right. Okay? I don't want to, I don't want to die. Though. Okay. Not yet. Not, it's not time. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. Let's do it again soon. Thanks. If you guys want more information on my guest today, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast, and I'll have all the information at the show notes there today. I hope you guys are encouraged by my conversation with Bill Jack, who really is an example of what it means to put feet to your faith. Stop talking about this stuff in the four walls of your church, you guys, and ask God, what do you want me to do inside of the jurisdiction that you have given to me? Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.